Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 106. You've heard from all the networks, radio hosts, news agencies, and pundits about the breach of the Capitol building on January 6th. What you haven't heard is this Catholic Army veteran's take on it, and mine is completely different from everything else you've heard. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, the Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic is barely two years into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 77 countries, all 50 states, and 177 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women, ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2020 was 14% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each episode's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today on the Sponsor Kit page on our website, cantankerouscatholic.com, or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. Fox News Alert. Breaking news. This just in from our affiliate in Boston. John Parker, a leader in the insurrectionist faction Sons of Liberty, led a small group of his men in an act of insurrection and treason today when they confronted a British army unit near Lexington, Massachusetts. Shots were exchanged. When the smoke cleared, eight members of the Sons of Liberty lay dead. Fox News roundly condemns any acts of political violence against the government, and no reason can possibly justify this treasonous act of aggression. Beyond getting themselves killed, what did these thugs accomplish anyway? That's exactly how Fox News and all of its show hosts have reported on the occupation of the Capitol building. They're wrong, and I intend to explain why they're wrong. Let's talk first about the things Trump said at the Save America rally. He spoke for roughly two hours. I've listened to the entire speech more than once. Everyone, Democrats, Republicans, the Constipated News Network, MSLSD, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, China, Russia, and even the Martians, everyone is condemning Trump as the one who incited insurrection. They're all going after him with their knives out and blood dripping from their fangs. But I want you to hear a cut of what he actually said. Let's roll the clip. 
Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. Now, I defy anyone to tell me with a straight face that if any of that was the president telling those people to storm the Capitol building. What I heard was that he was going to the Capitol with the protesters to cheer on the brave members of both houses of Congress who stood up for the Constitution and election integrity. Not once did he say anything to lead any of those rally attendees to believe that they were to storm the Capitol. Not once. But what about Biden? During the campaign, he seemed to have trouble forming complete sentences. But he made one incredibly lucid statement when he apparently forgot where he was when he was speaking. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. When that clip came out, it was hushed up almost immediately. And not one single time since the election has anyone used it as a smoking gun. Hell, this clip needs to be enshrined and plated in gold, because it's the only time I've ever heard him tell the truth. I've been following Biden's career for decades, and this is the very first time I've ever heard truth pass his lips. Because of the rest of this episode, I've absolutely no doubt that I'm going to get a lot of angry emails, and I'm most certainly going to lose a number of listeners. I don't care, though. When I launched this podcast two years ago, I didn't do it to be popular. Truth is seldom popular anyway, and I always give you the truth. We've heard from all the news agencies and pundits about the breach of the Capitol building on January 6th. I've listened to local radio shows, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, and Tucker Carlson. All of these pundits and news agencies are wrong. They're dead wrong for condemning the storming of the Capitol building out of hand, without any consideration of reality. I honestly don't think they know what reality is in this case. Before I explain to you why and how they're wrong, I want to play a clip for you from Michael Voris's The Vortex, called Way Too Gentle, in order to put things into perspective. Let's roll the clip. And if you will allow a personal anecdote here, in my TV reporter days for CBS affiliates, I was on a vigil duty at the house of a 10-year-old girl here in Metro Detroit who was kidnapped and eventually found dead in a dumpster not far from her home about six weeks later. For her memory and prayers for her soul, her name was Deanna Seifert, and she lived in the suburb of Warren, kidnapped in the dead of the night on Mother's Day while at a sleepover with her other little friends. During our coverage, we'd keep vigil in the street every day, talking to neighbors and filing our reports for the nightly news. One day, I was talking with a police officer in front of the house, and I said to him how hard it is to think that this kind of horrible thing could happen. His reply has never left me. He said, since you don't think like a serial killer or a child killer, you don't understand. 
99.999% of people, for example, drive past a playground and see kids on swings and playing in the sandboxes and all that, and they smile and think that's nice. Look at them having fun playing. But there is one guy driving past that playground thinking how he will steal one of those kids, chop him to pieces, and scatter his parts all over the county. In order to counter that, someone has to think like him. That's our job, meaning the police. Well, I was thunderstruck at that thought, and like I said, I have never forgot it. It seared into my mind. Now, fast forward to the election and the state of the country. The comparison is more than fitting. Most people, at their core, do not think like traitors to the country. They don't hate God, country, tradition, and so forth, but like the child killer driving past the playground, some do. And today, the killers have seized power precisely and explicitly because the overwhelming majority of people not only do not think like that, they can't get their brain around that others do, and so they continue to ascribe other motives to their wicked deeds. The conservative faction in the nation and the orthodox faction in the church have let the killers seize power because they have been way too gentle in their approach. You could probably describe them as naive and or apathetic. They never responded to each of the incremental dangers because they never recognized them for what they were, the ultimate overthrow of America. Oh, no. Nobody would want to do such a thing. They would think to themselves and then excuse the latest move towards Marxism, step by step. Voris points out that people don't understand the reality of what's taking place because they don't think like the communists, also known as the Demonic Democrat Party. If they did understand, they couldn't have made some of the shocking and deplorable statements we've heard them make. Let me give you a few things for your consideration. My first point is that these people who occupied the Capitol building and their actions are being portrayed wrongly by both sides. I hate violence as much as anyone else. I hated it every time my superiors ordered me to do some of the things I'd done in the Army. But I did them for two reasons. First, I'm a patriot who believed in and still believes in serving my country. And second... At the time of my service, I was trained to do violent things because that's what the Army does. That was our job. We were trained to subdue an enemy and break whatever he had to work with or operate from. One of the most disappointing things I've heard from pundits on the right is that the people who stormed the Capitol building are criminals and should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. I agree that they're criminals under our laws, but I disagree that they should be punished, at least until Hillary, Biden, Brennan, Clapper, and all of the others among the Marxist miscreants and malcontents are prosecuted for their crimes against the American people. But let's talk about these people who stormed the Capitol building being criminals for a moment. Let's go back to the American Revolution. The Boston Tea Party, the battles of Lexington and Concord, Ethan Allen's capture of Fort Ticonderoga, the Battle of Bunker Hill, all of these events occurred prior to the Declaration of Independence. 
Each and every one of the men involved in these actions were criminals who destroyed property and were guilty of treason against the government. That included treason against all the people living here at the time because they were all British citizens and most of them loyal to the crown. Every signer of the Declaration of Independence, every one of our founding fathers, was guilty of treason, and they all knew it. That's why they ended the Declaration of Independence by writing, And for the support of this Declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They knew that if they failed in rebelling and securing liberty for all, the crown would confiscate all their property, force their families to live in destitution, or worse, and that they'd be publicly hanged for treason. Yet these criminals are hailed today as our heroes. Patriots who wanted to be independent of England were in a distinct minority in the American colonies. The majority of citizens in the American British colonies were faithful to King George, even if they were opposed to the tyranny the crown forced on them. But the brave patriots in the minority went forward with their rebellion against England anyway. They risked everything for liberty. As Jefferson said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. You might rebut the British rule was illegitimate, which is why we rebelled. You're absolutely right about that. But I challenge any one of you to explain to me how our current government is legitimate in any way, shape, or form. Our nation has laws, laws that protect the murder of babies, the murder of those not deemed to have quality of life through some nice-sounding process called euthanasia. Celebrate legalized sodomy, and also the celebrated marriage of sodomites, and the socialistic redistribution of wealth through hundreds of federal and state giveaway programs. You know, those programs you fund with your tax dollars, yet don't benefit from. They blatantly stole the 2020 election through fraud, cheating, and the cooperation of Republicans who hate you. They tell us what we can and can't do to parent our children and how they must be educated. The nanny state is so controlling that it even tells us that we must be strapped into our cars when we travel, or that we can't have a large soda in certain jurisdictions, or that we can't smoke, while also telling us we must accept the LGBT agenda and the murder of preborn children. Now, I want those of you who tell me I'm wrong to show me in the U.S. Constitution or in any state constitution where our government is authorized to do any of these things. Through the pandemic lockdowns, our government rulers have proven that they hate us. The Marxist left hate us because, well, that's the nature of Marxism. And the establishment GOP hate us because we're more inclined to frequent bowling alleys than to belong to country clubs. To them, we're just a bunch of rubes. Both are intent on completely destroying the American middle class. We've watched the government draconian lockdowns and communist front group riots put thousands of small businesses out of business, while that same government has worked to make Amazon, Walmart, and other huge leftist companies enjoy the most profitable year of their existence. 
The other day, Biden told us what he thought of us when he called 74 million Trump supporters domestic terrorists. He never said a word about the riots of Antifa and Black Lives Matter while they burned American cities, nor have you heard him condemn them since. Why should he? They were on his side. But what happened at the Capitol on the 6th scares the hell out of him. You may not like this, but the people who stormed the Capitol were merely acting like the Patriots of 1776. Yes, there were probably some ne'er-do-wells in the crowd. Yes, some of their actions were childish and ineffective, but that's because they had no leadership or plan. Yes, they're criminals under our laws, laws that are only enforced against we the people. They acted spontaneously, and modern Americans are grossly immature without guidance, as they proved with their behavior in the House and Senate chambers. What they did have, though, were the hearts of patriots. What Beck, Levin, Carlson, the media, and the pundits haven't figured out yet is that there is no United States of America anymore. With the exception of the lamestream media, they're not thinking like the communists who've just forced control over our government. The final vestiges of America will die on January 20th with the inauguration of a completely illegitimate president. There's no way to fight the communists constitutionally any longer. That option has completely passed us by. They came in and ran roughshod over the Constitution and the American people. Mark Levin is a big supporter of the Article 5 Convention of States movement, and I am too. You've heard me talk about it numerous times on this show. But not even an Article 5 Convention of States is possible anymore, and Levin needs to face that reality. The Marxists in Congress won't follow the Constitution now, so how in the hell does any reasonable person think it's at all possible to get them to obey the Constitution to call for an Article 5 Convention of States when it passes the constitutionally requisite number of legislatures, especially when the communists know that it'll curtail their power? It's over. The America we once knew and loved is gone. It's just a fond memory. As much as it pains me to say it, it's time to replace the national anthem with funeral dirges. As I see it, there are now only three viable possibilities. Secession of the red states to form a new United States of America, do what 70% of Americans believe is inevitable anyway and fight an armed civil war, or simply give in to the communist bastards. Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but the third option is out for me. When I put on that uniform 40-plus years ago and swore an oath to Almighty God to defend the Constitution and the American people from all enemies, both foreign and domestic, nobody told me that oath had an expiration date. I sit in this wheelchair with the use of only one arm, but I'm as ready to fight now as I was when I wore the uniform. And that leads to the other thing I wanted to mention. No one, not one damn single patriot I've heard who condemned the breach of the Capitol has ever served to defend this country in uniform. Not one. Yet they feel that they have the right to lecture us about what happened January 6th. They don't have the right to lecture other patriots. They haven't earned that right. 
they fall into that 99% of Americans who were protected by the other 1% of us who had the courage to defend them, even at the risk of our own lives. What's wrong with that picture? The incoming Marxist government, who still go by the name Democrat, have already told us what they intend to do. Among a bevy of other things, they're talking about making Washington, D.C. a state, which is clearly prohibited by the Constitution. They know that, so they obviously have no intention whatsoever to obey the Constitution. Why do you think the veteran woman who was killed during the storming of the Capitol was even there? She and the others realized that our constitutional republic no longer exists. She wasn't simply a passive observer or wouldn't have been there in the first place. She was there to fight tyranny the only way she knew how. The traitors aren't these people, but rather the members of Congress who occupy the Capitol building. Almost every damn one of them from both parties. I watch and listen to Beck, Carlson, and Levin all the time, and I agree with them 99.9% of the time. I'm no less a lover of America than they are, but in his radio show on January 7th, Levin called me and every other like-minded patriot a buffoon. I was fuming about his blindness and what I consider cowardice so much that night that for the first time ever I turned him off. I won't tolerate cowardice in my home, not even from the Mark Levin I so love and admire. For the record, I play by the rules, and I obey the law. I don't even own a gun anymore. I gave them up in the 80s. I'm not a radical, as some will say, but I'm sick and tired of being pushed around and beaten down by the Marxists the bastards who've taken over our nation by force, and the cowards on the right who condemn those who were willing to stand up against tyranny. We need to remember another quote from Jefferson. When the people are afraid of the government, that's tyranny. When the government is afraid of the people, that's liberty. The people are afraid of our incoming and evil government. However, as is proved by the reactions of government officials and the media to the January 6th occupation of the Capitol, they realize that they now have a reason to be afraid of we the people. And they are very afraid. We can see it in Nancy Pelosi's eyes on January 6th and her subsequent actions. In fact, the politicians, big tech, and the new media are coordinating to crush us right now. By the way, yes, I do believe that those conservatives condemning the acts of patriots who are willing to stand up and fight are cowards. They make a lot of great and loud noise about what needs to be done, but none of them have the courage to do what must be done. As one who's proven that he's willing to lay down his life for liberty, I simply cannot tolerate this brand of cowardice. These people talk the talk, but I haven't seen any evidence that they're willing to walk the walk the way our founding fathers did. I've always pitied cowards, so I'll pity and shield these poor little scaredy-cats even from my wheelchair. These guys are already talking about the next election. See, they just don't get it. You can forget the next election. There'll never again be a majority in Congress other than the Democrats. There'll never be anyone in the White House besides a Democrat ever again. Evil has triumphed. 
evil has won, for the moment anyway. The United States of America has been the greatest nation in the history of the world, but now we have no option but to take her back from the Marxists by force or simply start over. As a veteran and a Catholic, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for this, from my wheelchair. I can only hope that you have the courage to do the same. If you aren't, be prepared to learn Mandarin in the next few years. All of what I've said so far has been spoken as a patriotic Catholic, but now I want to say something as a Catholic patriot. There's one other way to defeat the evil that's overcome our country, and there's 300 years of history to back up what I'm talking about. In addition to courageously standing up to tyranny, we have to commit ourselves to renewing the Catholic spirit of our fathers and the faith. It took 300 years to do it, but the cross defeated the evil of Rome in A.D. 313 with the Edict of Milan. None of us will ever live to see it, but renewing our Catholic spirit of the early centuries now can and will triumph over the evil currently in this country and in Rome. The way we do this is by becoming more committed to our holy and ancient faith than we ever have been, and becoming proficient in drawing and fighting with our sword, the sword known as the Holy Eucharist. All of us have to commit ourselves to becoming evangelists. That may seem scary to a lot of people, but there are only three reasons for you to fear. The first reason Catholics are afraid to become evangelistic is because they fear being seen as fanatics by their fellow Catholics. I got used to that decades ago, and you can too. I hate to break it to you, but that sort of fear is just plain old vanity. It's one of Satan's greatest tools to destroy your soul. Don't let him. The second reason Catholics fear being evangelistic is because they're afraid of not knowing how to present or defend the faith. Some of you are waking up to the fact that you need to better learn, understand, and defend the faith because when we recommenced sharing the Catholic faith webinars last week, there were more of you registering than ever before. Now it's time for the rest of you to get with the program. Just click on the link in my show notes that says, I want to learn more about the Catholic Church. Then fill out the form that pops up in your browser. We'll remedy your lack of knowledge and bolster your confidence. The third reason Catholics fear being evangelistic is because they're afraid that they're not strong enough or assertive enough. Do you realize that fear is actually a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Why? because you're denying the existence of the sacramental graces of your confirmation. If you'll simply make up your mind to put forth the effort, the Holy Spirit will pick up the slack. That's his job. Do you think I've made hundreds of converts on my own? I haven't done anything except do as Jesus directed, and that's to give it everything I've got. The Holy Spirit did everything else. I was just the tool used by the divine craftsman. If you want specifics on how to do what you're obligated to do as a Catholic, go to cantankerouscatholic.com and contact me about it. I answer all questions emailed to me in the strictest confidence. Now let's make a new and bold commitment to our nation and our Catholic faith and turn 2021 into the most exciting year of our lives. I genuinely want you to tell me what you plan to do. Me? 
I think 2021 for me means carrying a Bible in one hand and a gun in the other. Good luck and God be with you, patriots. I need to tell you something very important. Every Catholic needs to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic because this show helps people learn to navigate through these tumultuous times as well as learn, understand, and live our faith better. You can help other Catholics find the Cantankerous Catholic much easier by leaving a review. Reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show the Cantankerous Catholic more often to people looking for Catholic podcasts. For your convenience, there's a link in my show note for ratings and reviews. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. A 25-year-old man who late last year interrupted a mass in Canada by exposing himself as part of a prank video has been charged with a hate crime and banned from all diocesan property. Why, you must be delusional or something. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Washington Examiner. There were hopes among Republicans that Senator Joe Manchin might switch parties, but now that seems unlikely. In fact, if anyone switches parties, it might be the liberal Republican Lisa Murkowski. She just called on President Trump to resign, and that might not be the last of it. Murkowski also said that if the Republican Party has become nothing more than the party of Trump, then she sincerely questions whether she'll stay a part of it. Murkowski claims to be a Catholic, but supports abortion. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to National Catholic Register. John Carroll, America's first bishop, urged this prayer to be recited in parishes throughout the young nation. Michael Warsaw, publisher of the National Catholic Register, says it's a fitting time to do the same. Send in the Calvary! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to LifeSite News. The media are not just censoring those who are trying to get the truth out about how the 2020 presidential race was stolen from President Trump. They're also manipulating millions of Americans with disinformation, thereby endangering the lives of ordinary citizens and making the U.S. look like a third-world banana republic. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to LifeSite News. The Catholic Bishop of Fresno has reaffirmed the immorality of all vaccines, including COVID vaccines, that at any stage of production have any involvement with aborted babies, calling on Catholics to follow his lead and refuse to take such vaccines. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. Doc Brackett served as a doctor for years in a small country town, but made little money. That was because Doc was always trying to take care of the poor people who had no money. He'd get up in the middle of the coldest nights and drive 20 miles to care for a sick woman or child, or to patch up someone who got hurt. Everyone knew that Doc's office was over a clothing store. A sign at the foot of the stairs said, Doc Brackett, Office Upstairs. Doc Brackett never married. He was once supposed to marry the town banker's daughter, but on his wedding day, he got a call to go out into the country to take care of a Mexican child. His fiancée, Elvira, angrily called off the wedding. She said that any man who would think more of a Mexican child than his own wedding was no good. Many of the town's women agreed, but the parents of the child were very grateful to Doc when the boy recovered. Doc never turned anyone away. When he was 70, he fell onto the sofa in his office and died. His was the biggest funeral the town had ever seen, and everyone went. The people talked of raising money for a nice headstone for Doc's grave as a memorial. The talk lapsed into argument over what should be carved on the stone. The matter dragged along, and nothing was done. Then one day, the funeral director said that Doc's memorial was already over his grave, epitaph and all. He said the Mexican parents of the child from years before had worried about Doc not having a tombstone. Whereas they had no money themselves, they took the sign from the foot of the stairs at Doc's office and set it over his grave. It read, Doc Brackett, Office Upstairs. The two great commandments are a summary of the Ten Commandments, and Doc Brackett lived them very well. The first commandment is, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second great commandment is, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can practice the two great commandments simply by fulfilling the Ten Commandments. Doc gave us an excellent example of that. The first three commandments deal with man's relationship to God. The last seven commandments deal with both man's relationship to God and man. This is an overview to the Ten Commandments, which we'll examine over the next several weeks. After all, we spent so much time talking about confession that it's only natural that we should take a look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were written with the finger of God. Unlike the commandments written by Moses, the Ten Commandments set forth a natural law. Natural law is nothing more than the rational creature's participation in the eternal law. It is therefore called natural law because everyone is subject to it from birth, because it contains only the duties which are deliverable from human nature, 
and because, absolutely speaking, its essentials can be grasped by the unaided light of human reason. St. Paul teaches the existence of natural law in Romans. When Gentiles who have not the law do by nature what law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that what the law requires is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or perhaps excuse them. In other words, natural law is man's intuitive knowledge of right and wrong, inscribed upon the heart by the Creator. Attorneys are taught about natural law in law school. Until modern times, natural law was taught in law schools as indisputable fact, but now is poo-pooed by those law professors who prefer to be their own god. When Congress holds confirmation hearings for candidates for the Supreme Court, one of the first questions asked by liberal members of Congress are whether he or she believes in natural law. Why? Because anyone who believes in natural law can't deny that same-sex marriage, abortion, and euthanasia are wrong. As previously stated, the Ten Commandments, written by God himself, set forth the natural law. The Ten Commandments are, 1. I, the Lord, am your God. You shall have no other gods besides me. 2. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Three. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. 4. Honor your father and mother. 5. You shall not commit murder. 6. You shall not commit adultery. 7. You shall not steal. 8. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 9. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. 10. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Over the next few weeks, at least ten of them, we're going to take a look at the Ten Commandments. We won't examine them in the depth they deserve, but as long as I'm able to produce this Catholic boot camp, we'll revisit them in great depth, over and over again. Have you heard? A brand new translation of the Holy Bible is available for Catholics. Introducing the English Standard Version Catholic Edition, the most beautiful and readable Catholic translation of the Bible. If you've ever had difficulty reading the Bible or are looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, this is the Bible for you. The new translation includes changes to nearly 60,000 words from the Revised Standard Version and is the best combination of a literal translation written in smooth and readable English. Available in bonded leather, hardcover or softcover, the ESV Catholic Edition is a Bible you will love and a translation you can trust. To learn more about the ESV Catholic Edition or to purchase your copy, visit catholicbible.org. Again, that's www.catholicbible.org. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is by St. John Chrysostom. He said, When the Mass is being celebrated, the sanctuary is filled with countless angels who adore the divine victim immolated on the altar. 
I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. A very rich man once lived on a large ranch covering thousands of acres in Texas. He had a beautiful home surrounded by a huge park. He owned thousands of head of cattle and had a couple of hundred cowboys working for him. They all called him Big Hearted Bill because he was so generous. Any stranger could come to his home for a meal and lodging and never be turned away. One day, Bill took his wife and their little five-year-old son out for a drive in his big shiny convertible. On the wet road, his car skidded into a tree. His wife and son were killed. Everyone pitied Bill. He missed his wife and son very much. One day, he stopped at an orphanage, and a little boy waved at him and said, Hi there. The little boy looked just like his little son. Bill went over to him and asked, Where's your home, Sonny? I live here, answered the boy. But where did you live before you came here, Bill asked. I don't know. Where are your mother and father? I don't have any. What is your name? Jimmy. Bill took the boy inside and asked the sister superior whether he could adopt Jimmy. The arrangements were made, and Bill took Jimmy home as his own son. Jimmy grew up to be a fine young man. Bill let him run the entire ranch. After big-hearted Bill died, his will stated that Jimmy was to own everything that had been Bill's. Today, he's one of the richest ranchers in Texas. When you were born into this world, you were like an orphan in original sin. Through baptism, you received sanctifying grace and became a child of God. God has been very kind to you ever since. After death, you'll inherit the kingdom of heaven, just as Jimmy inherited his father's property. With Jesus, your older brother, you'll live happily in your heavenly father's kingdom for all eternity. God is big-hearted, too, because he adopted you as his child, and he gives you This so has been The much. Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.